Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 179. Crazy to think we're closing in on episode 200. But this episode is with the head of physical performance at Swansea City, Matt Wilmot. Now, Matt was on the podcast previously way back in October 2019, episode 51. In that episode that was titled Tread the Line of Overload, we spoke about speed exposure, return to play process, um, getting a player back up to speed after injury, topics like that. Now, in this episode, we focused on freshness v fitness. So we discussed whether um, in the current climate with the um, large amount of fixtures plays in short amounts of time, how long without a game is beneficial for players and then when does it cross over into the line of players losing that freshness for games. We spoke about the schedule challenges, game changes, hectic periods then after absences from games. And then we also touched on the plans or Matt's thoughts processes uh, leading up until the World Cup. So the World Cup is obviously fast approaching this year. And um, obviously in next season, as we record this podcast, but some of his processes and the way he's going to approach that competition being mid-season. So we had a good discussion around that. And then also just tackling squad players, keeping players fresh and ready to step in at any point when we need to utilise squads uh, and the players involved in the squad. So covered absolutely loads in this one with Martin. It was great to catch up with him um, and hear everything that's going on at Swansea. Now, as this podcast gets released... Our networking event at Bristol City is tomorrow, so it's Thursday, um, and that is the 17th of March. Now, if it's too late for you to attend the event, the good news is you can get access to the presentations from Steve Taylor, Del Bonsu, and also Rich Clark via our online community. So go to footballfitfed.com, sign up to the community there, and you'll be able to get access to all three of the presentations from that event as well as previous events as well. And just before we get into the podcast, I just want to say a big thank you to our sponsors. First of all, Black Box Fitness. Black Box are the world's best training equipment, accessory and apparel brand. Black Box believes that training isn't just a checkbox on your to-do list. Training is a lifestyle, continually seeking your highest performance in the gym, on the pitch, at home and in everyday life. To perform at your best, you need the best and Black Box has you covered. So go and check them out on social media at BLK Box Fitness. And also a big thank you to Rezzle as well. Rezzle is the world's leading cognitive training platform for sport. By using VR technology, Rezzle and Player22 can create game style scenarios and recreate pressure to help you prepare for the real thing. Go and give those guys a follow over on social media at Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L and then underscore at the end. Let's get into it now. So episode 179 with the head of physical performance at Swansea City, Matt Wilmot. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 179. I'm delighted to be joined by Head of Physical Performance at Swansea City, Matt Wilmot. How are you doing, Matt? Hiya, mate. How are you? You well? I'm, I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's been, uh, it's been a while since we actually spoke on video, uh, in person, maybe right back to the, the Don's meeting. 
Um, but if anyone listened to the previous podcast we did, I was actually looking at the date of it, October 2019, which is a fair, <laughs> fair while ago. A lot's, ha- um, a lot's happened since then. I was going to say, you might have a few changes that have gone on in that time, which we'll touch on in a second. Um, some people might listen to that. They might have got a bit about your background. Um, but if not, do you want to just take us through what's led up to the, the role at Swansea? Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Um, it's been a while, isn't it? It's been coming. I've uh, probably have to apologise for changing the date about 50 times, day and time, but um, thanks for your patience on that, mate, and good to be on. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy few years, really, since we last spoke. Um, I suppose I went through a pretty traditional route in, in football and in my career. I went through the internship into academy football, category three at the time with MK, Moved up then in categories. I went to Leicester Academy. Um, I was there for a couple of years and then worked into first team football back at MK Dons. Um, again, was there for a few more years, um, League Two, League One. So I've been really pretty traditional in my progressions in career, going all the way from the internship, all the way through to uh, sort of first team football. Um, and during my time at MK, we had a couple of changes of managers um, and Russell Martin took over Um Worked with him for a couple of years. He was then offered the Swansea job. Um, and fortunate for me, he trusted me enough. He, he liked me enough that he asked me to come with him as part of his backroom staff, which, um, yeah, there was no hesitation in saying yes to that. So um, I've been at Swansea for seven months now. Um, I know every inch of the M4 by now. Um, Travelling a little bit, but uh, it's, it's a great club. Um, buzzing to be here. Like, it's, it's brilliant. So um, we're on, hopefully we're on to something good and putting stuff in place that will give a bit of uh, success in the future. So it's been a crazy two years, yeah, since we last spoke in person. Um, but uh, it's been an exciting one and um, hopefully the future's got a little bit more to come. Yeah, we've just been talking before we start recording, obviously, about the, the work that you guys did at Dons and where they are in the league and how well they're doing at the moment. And then, so it's exciting to see, I know you guys are still early on um, at Swansea, really, uh, relatively, but exciting times to put these sort of foundations in place going into next season, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, it's, it's been a transition year for us. Um, the club, obviously, have had massive success in the past. You know, they were in the Premier League for a good amount of time. Um, come back down to the Championship, and especially the last two years in the short term, you know, the last two years they made the playoffs, been really successful. And then the work done there has, has been great. You know, it's a Premier League club, Premier League uh, facilities. Um, so it's definitely been a transitional year. Um, we're learning a lot. Um, like I say, we're relatively new um, in, in the job, but um, we think there's got something good. Like you say, the Don's um, absolutely brilliant to see them doing so well this year. Like, there's a, it's a great group of people at that club. Um, I, I spent many good years there, and, and the manager put a lot of time and effort into building something there, um, building a culture, building a philosophy, getting an, a great group of players. Um, and they're doing so well this year, so it's so good to see. But the opportunity here was obviously too good to turn down for him, as it was for myself and the, and the other sort of backroom staff that he brought. So we're building something. Um, it, it does take time. Um, he, the manager, has definitely um, got a style of playing, he's got a philosophy, and and that is um, something a bit different. Um, but when it works, it's going to be unbelievably success, successful. So. Um, it's going to be exciting, 100%. I think the, the Swans fans see it. Um, you know, the feedback we're getting is pretty good. So 
it's good to they are crazy as well the the Swans fans um so hopefully we'll give them a bit of success in the future class well it's uh, in terms of building culture it's really interesting isn't it because there was obviously a lot of hard work that went into everything behind the scenes at Don's which has led to the performances that are going on now that's not obviously not taken away from everyone that's still at the club right now um but from your point of view stepping into a new club like and going into a culture that is not necessarily something that you and the, the gaffer have, have sort of set in place what were the initial what was the initial pro- approach from your point of view stepping into that new role new club new city yeah it's <laughs> We were 100% chucked into the deep end a little bit. We joined four days before the first game of the season. Um, <laughs> so we were very much thrown in with no time to, to do too much um, physical work in particular, but, but tactical work as well, you know, with four days to go before we travelled up to Blackburn. Um, we definitely had to, to have a little bit of patience with it, um, be a little bit open-minded with it. Um, like you say, we, we, we spent a lot of time at NK building, a program, building a, a philosophy, a culture. Um, we had a really good pre-season at MK. Um, you know, we got the boys into really good condition. We were really happy with it. Um, and then the opportunity comes and you jump you jump at it, no problem. Um, so we've had to, I think, just be a little bit patient. Um, as I said, he does have um, definitely a certain style of play that the stats do show that we're very much possession-based football. Um, and we may be bringing something a little bit different into it. Um, we knew the players, you know, our style of play here definitely has a certain physical characteristic that you need to have to, to be able to play in that way. And, and the different format uh, and the different positions within that formation have got very clear um, physical characteristics that you need. Um, and that will then take time to be able to build those physical capacities to be able to deal with it. So we just had to be a bit patient. Um, get a few of the mad games out of the way at the start and sort of learn on the job. Um, and we're building into our training programme just nice and slowly through the first couple of months. Um, and I think we're, we're finally at a point now where we are able to train in the way we want to train. Um, we've got players that um, are now robust enough and, and, and capable enough to be able to train the way we want to train and play the way we want to play. Um, and it's all just starting to come together. So it's been, it's been a whirlwind. Um, but again, it just takes patience. Um, it took just easing into it, um, not heading in, you know, headstrong, going mad and changing everything completely, you know, ripping up one book and, and opening another book. Um, this club's been successful in the past. Um, it didn't need radical changes, but it just needed slight changes that we've sort of done over time. Um, so it's been, it's been good. And do you think there's like a period of time where you've maybe seen you get to so many weeks or so many months in when you're like, actually, I can see things starting to change. Because like you say, it's not a case of just doing a presentation, presenting a philosophy, all of a sudden, right, it's it's going to be in place. It's obviously going to take time, isn't it? Take sessions, take games and all the rest of it. Um, but do you think there's there's been anything recently or even not so recent where you're like, I can see that, that we're getting it, we're, we're moving in the right direction with it now? Yeah, 100%. We're very process driven in the way we work. Um, we know that it's not a case of um, we didn't do the tactic, we lost the game, or we did the tactics, we win the game. You know, that when you're playing football, there's 11 other men that are trying to get the same amount of points that you are. So, and they're well within their rights to try and get those points. So, you might play really well and lose, or you might play poorly and win. 
So we're very much process driven. We, we're very much looking at performance rather than the result. Um, we kind of believe that when the performance is good, the results will come. Um, and if you then perform at high, high enough level consistently enough, the results are going to be consistent. Um, so we kind of saw that from the stats and, and from, especially from our physical point of view, our GPS outputs, whether it's um, the distances done in games or distances done in training on a weekly basis, we know that we are progressing in the right direction. The players are able to produce a higher output in games um, across all the positions. We're able to then slowly train more each week, be more specific to the way we're trying to play. Um, players in those specific positions are doing more of those actions that they are doing in games. Um, we are definitely looking at the data regularly to make sure that we are progressing, which we have been um, since, ever since we started. Um, and results will fluctuate a little bit naturally, um, but we're starting to see there are definitely um, progress in, 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 in our performance. And you mentioned before about the, some of the specific characteristics that you're looking for in different positions to, to um, sort of embed into the style of play. Can you give any examples of that? And I'm obviously not going through the whole team, but in, in terms of any specific positions, like this position needs this and, and this is the sort of thing we're focusing on? Yeah, absolutely. Like we've got a really good sort of data science and data analyst department here at Swansea. So they look into a real depth in not only the tactical side of, of us in possession and out of possession, but what is required of us physically in possession and out of possession. So where we are, you know, in comparison to the league and, and where we are in each game. And we know that being a possession-based football team in possession physically, um, we may not cover the same amount of distance as other teams would be in their style of play. But we know out of possession, out of possession we want the, the ball back as soon as possible, basically. So we have periods of real high intensity and real maximum effort to get the ball back as soon as possible because that's how we, how we want to play. Um, we know that the demands on, for example, our wing-backs are extremely high um, because they are very much an attacking threat for us, but they're also very much a defending um, option for us. Um, we have very clear um, objectives for each position. We have very clear ideas on how we want our players to perform physically, um, which helps recruiting those type of players. Um, we know pretty much positionally average-wise what they're going to do each game, um, and we then can help to recruit towards that. Um, it's, it's, it's quite an important sort of area in terms of knowing exactly what you want physically from your team that's going to help aid the tactical side of it, which will then sort of base your recruitment of certain players. Um, we've, um, we've definitely got a clear picture on how we want to play and, and what our players want need to look like physically. Um, so we need to then train that way. Um, I think the players here have bought into that. Um, we're quite clear with our process and we're quite clear with our strategy. So each player knows exactly what we need from them. Um, they will know exactly what they're doing each week or in, in, in each game. And then we'll know what we need to do to train that way. Um, I think they do see that it's not a one sort of training plan fits all. Players will know that they might need to do a little bit of extra work from a conditioning point of view because that's their position needs. Whereas other players won't need to do as much of, of you know, for example, a high speed or sprint exposure, but they're going to have to do a lot more sort of explosive actions or IMA actions because that's what they do regularly in a game. And, and I don't think they say, oh, well, he's doing loads of running over there. 
what or you know why aren't I or the other way around like why am I doing this running but the 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 middle centre back or the centre midfielders aren't having to do as much as us I think they see it as okay this is what is demands of my position so I need to be able to to fit those demands yeah it becomes very specific doesn't it to each individual then um and I suppose the it's tried and tested and probably helps you guys that the Dons are doing so well as well because you've got that model there, haven't you, that you've put in place. And obviously, the more, the more games that you get under your belt at, at the club as well, players are going to understand it even more, aren't they, in terms of like the, how, of the importance um, of that too? Yeah, 100%. I think, the, I suppose, we had to go for a little bit of pain at the start um, and, and the players were very were brilliant with it. They understood that we need to go through some pain to get to the good. Um, and that's physically as, as much as it is tactically, technically, mentally. The demands that, that the manager is, is, is sort of asking of the players is quite high. Um, so once they realise that this is the way we're going to do it, this is what is needed of me, you, you, once the players understand that and they educate enough of that, you're on to a win and, and the players buy into it massively. And once the players buy into it, you, 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 got, you haven't got any issue in terms of uh, driving culture or driving intent. You, you'll get that. If anything, your, your job is to manage that intent, manage that, manage that load um, and make sure they're not just going mental and getting after it too much um, rather than really having to push them. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to talk about the schedule because um, it's pretty hectic, isn't it? And I know you've talked about your personal schedule and, and all the time you're spending on the motorway. But in terms of fixtures, in terms of um, hopefully it's not going to be as common now, but game cancellations, um, rescheduling fixtures, sort of then going into like hectic periods. I wanted to have a little discussion around this and maybe some of the takeaways that you've taken from it. So initially, how, how have you found it to differ from previous seasons like this season and probably even leaning into last season as well? Yeah, it's been... It's such a challenge, and we keep we keep seem to be saying this every single season now for the last couple of years. It's a it's a season like no other, or it's a real challenge because COVID and 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 all the issues we've got around the world. But that has been affecting football and it's affecting our schedule. Um, you know, we thought we was over it, um, but you know, us in particular. You know, an example would be over Christmas. We, I think, we from the December the. Uh, 11th, I think it was January the 4th, we didn't have a game because um, they were all cancelled. We had an outbreak of COVID at the club. Um, there were a few other clubs that had an outbreak earlier on in December. Um, and so we didn't, we, we got a real long period of that game. We, we had a long period of, of time off. Um, I've been in football long enough to know that um, I quite appreciated the time off. I think this was my <laughs> first actual Christmas. I had a prolonged time off at Christmas. I know it might be a few people listening to this that will be. Um, hating me for saying that, but we we got a little bit of time off at Christmas, um, which at the time you think are oh, brilliant. Yeah, great. Get you know have Christmas with the family, um, which it's been good for me because um, they put up with a lot with me moving three hours away. Um, so it was good for them. But we know down the line there is going to be an, an, an impact of that. There's going to be an influence of having a more dense schedule at some point. The end date of the season doesn't change. So if you miss out a block of games somewhere, they have to be put in somewhere else. It's not like the season can, can just continue to just prolong and prolong and prolong. So we knew those games were getting somewhere. We kind of understood that, yeah, these, we've got a little bit of time off now, which is brilliant. And, 
and very much needed. But um, we know at some point we're going to have to to manage um, a squad for a real congested uh, schedule of fixtures, um, which has been which is, is always a challenge. And I think everyone's going through the same. So you know we're no different to everyone. Um, you know everyone. I think there's only one team in our league that are, that are up to date in terms of where they should be in terms of fixtures played at this point of the year. A lot of teams have got games in hand. There's games everywhere. You know, some people have four games in hand. Some people have one. Some it's, it's all over the place, really. So everyone's going through the same pain. It's just up to us to be able to, to manage the schedule, manage the squad, manage training, um, to make sure that we are returning back into those games, returning to training as safely as possible, um, reducing any risk of injury. But um, it is a real challenge. And I think it just takes a little bit of um, patience from everyone. Um, it takes a little bit of managing, a bit of open-mindedness from the manager as well to, to know that there's going to have to be squad rotation. Everyone's going to have to be ready to play at some point because the game's come thick and fast. So um, it's a real challenge, but it's one that everyone is going through and, and managing the best they can. Because there's that balance, isn't there, between getting into a routine and gaining momentum with sort of games coming maybe Saturday, Tuesday or whatever it is. And when you're on a winning run, obviously you want the next game to come, don't you? And keep picking points up. But then at the same time, when games are getting rearranged and you do have like a period like you spoke about where you've not got games, some people think, oh, great, we've got no games, players, players are going to be fresh. But then there's also a point to that, isn't there, where the sort of freshness starts to reduce and, then you're going into the next game and you've seen it a few times um, with examples of certain clubs that have had a bit of time off. They then play and they don't get the results they want. Um, and obviously that can be down to a number of factors, but if you're watching the game, it could be a little bit slower or whatever it is. So where, where do you feel like that line is in terms of, and there's not going to be a specific answer to this. I know it's going to be more of a discussion, but um is it, is it going to be a certain, is it a week? Like if you're going anything over a week, it's probably pushing it a bit too long. Where do you, what's your views on that? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, like I say, it's, it's great at the time when you get that period of time off and you get that, that, that fixture cancelled because the other team had COVID or, you, or, or we had COVID or whatever it was, you're thinking brilliant. There was probably a core group of players, maybe 60, 70% of the, the squad that needed that time off at that time. They were, the schedule's already been been pretty pretty crazy already, so there was a lot of players that needed that time off. They were struggling with a few bits and fires. We were really trying to manage them through the week, um, so they they appreciated that time off. There is another group of players that maybe haven't had the match minutes and they didn't need that time off. Um, but everyone, of course, being in football, appreciate time off. Um, but then, like you say, when you we knew with those at time, whether it it's an enforced break because of COVID, whether it's anything, games cancelled so you can manipulate your schedule as, as you see fit. You know at some point the schedule is going to become very hectic and have a high dense amount of games. So we knew that, yeah, it's lovely having this time, but at some point we're going to be at an increased risk of injury or poor performance because the density of games is going to go through the roof. We're going to have to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Day, whatever it is um, and we've noticed it maybe more in the championship as well is that we'll have a Sunday game thrown in or a Monday game thrown in and there are much more games uh, or, or opportunity to, to play I should say whereas when we was with MK in League One it was Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday and you could kind of get into a pretty good rhythm 
in terms of your training, even though there was the density of matches was was high, we kind of got into a nice routine of okay, we know we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, so we can we know when we were training, you could manipulate training as you see fit. Whereas now the schedule is much more varied. Games get moved more because of sky influences. You play Sunday games, you might play Monday night, you might play Wednesday rather than Tuesday. So you've got to be really adaptable in, in the way that you're, you're seeing training. Um, that there's going to be probably people much more smart than me, much more educated than I am in terms of telling you an exact level of uh, detraining or a percent detraining over a certain amount of time. But I suppose what the way we see it was that our players, despite what they might tell you, are highly trained professional athletes. Um, there might be a few that will disagree with me there, um, <laughs> but their contract does say they are professional athletes, so they are highly they are highly trained um, players. So I think the D training wasn't as much of a worry in these little enforced breaks. So we were getting more of that recovery that we needed. Um, but as you say, once you prolong that period, which in the past, with a couple of the previous lockdowns, when you had such a prolonged time off, that become much more apparent, that become much more of an issue. Whereas now, when we're getting little periods of, of, of isolations or little periods of time off because of COVID or illnesses or, or anything, I think we can... We can sort of adapt our training programs a lot easier, return them to training a lot safer because they're not having as much time off. Um, so you kind of have different focuses on, on, on the stuff as well. So, um, you know, we use the time in those period of isolations to work on a few different things. If they only had five to 10 days off because of an isolation, um, we might know that we might try and get a little bit more tendon health work into them or, or any specific injury prevention work that they had going on um, prior to them going into isolation so whether it's the use of isometrics or eccentrics or anything um, I think the, the previous lockdown helped in terms of improving the level of home gyms mm. going around our, uh, the players yeah. um, especially here at Swansea you know they were uh, in a playoff push in the, in the first big lockdown so the, the level of gyms and the level of, of equipment that the players have got is really good because they they knew the importance of coming back into the season at a real high level of performance. So they've got a lot of good equipment that we could use and we, we can we can help ease that return to training, return to playing as best we can. Um, of course, that's bearing them being not symptomatic of any of any illness. And obviously that opens up different questions and and have a lot more medical influences on those decisions. But um, I think we just you've got to be mindful that Everyone is individual in their ability in returning to play. Mm. We, we all know those players and we've all worked with those players that can have three weeks off or you have an off-season, a six-week off-season, and they will do absolutely nothing from day one, finishing that last game of the season, to returning to pre-season testing. They will do absolutely nothing. They might sit on a beach for six weeks, but come day one in pre-season testing, they'll be fit and they can run and everyone's going, what the hell's going on here? Whereas you have players that are a little bit more tough in terms of maintaining any physical condition and make may work a bit have to have to work a bit harder to maintain their, their condition so that they can they can sort of return to training a lot easier. So I think you do have to know your players and know 
them as an athlete you know we've obviously got a lot of a lot of testing data from them longitudinal you know benchmarking of their testing so we know exactly what they're like from a physical point of view so we know that when they come back into training with a little bit of testing we'll know where they are and we can sort of ease them back in as best we can and, and like I say try and minimize any risk of injury in games or any poor performance that naturally is probably going to come I think Football isn't just the physical game, is it? I think the physical side is just a small piece of the pie. So when they're returning into games, there's tactical, technical, mental. There's so much going on that the physical is just a real small piece of it. Um, so if we can just minimise any impact that the physical side can have on it, then when they go back into games, they're, they're not as much of a worry on the physical side and they can just worry about um, stopping the, the other 11 players on the pitch that are trying to, trying to get the same amount of points as they are. Just a very quick update on our online community. We've added the presentations from our event at Oxford United. So Head of Sports Science, Harry Routledge, his presentation, how many windows are in your room where Harry discussed about looking outside the box a little bit, learning from other sports, other industries. So that is available to watch now on the community, as is the, for, uh, the performance director at Oxford United, Chris Neville, he presented on the value of a generalist approach and Chris also touched on some of the work he's done in other sports and sort of lessons and the approach that he took to those other sports as well. So you can go and check out those presentations as well as event, uh, presentations from our events like our Everton event, our Rotherham event going back a little bit, Damien Hughes's presentation from the Salford event, plus many, many more by signing up to a free month on the community Go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up there, get yourself a free month. After the free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward and you'll get continued access to all the presentations. You'll be able to take advantage of the member discounts, the discounts on our events, plus some exciting stuff coming up for the community members as well. So make sure you sign up, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign up there. Here's part two of the podcast with Matt Wilmot. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say. In terms of um, catering for the individual, in that circumstance, when you've got that time off or time away from a game, but you know that there's going to be a period coming where it's going to be the opposite, you're obviously not just preparing the starting 11 because you, you've got, you're preparing the whole squad, aren't you? And not necessarily even just to be a squad player like they might be before. They might then be going to start which obviously brings up, like you've just mentioned, technical, tactical, that all comes into it as well, where they have to fit into now a starting eleven. So where does that come into the sort of preparation in that period that you, you're not only just keeping everyone at probably a similar level to where they are before to maybe step in as a sub or whatever it is, you're potentially changing their role in mind with the team? Yeah, it's, it's such an important thing that you're building a squad or building a culture that are pushing each other, that... They're, you know, the manager is very clear that, yeah, we have a certain style of play and, and, and players will start as an 11 starters, but at some point we're going to need everyone. So, and he's very open and honest with the players and, and they understand why they might not be in the team or why they got taken out of the team or, if, or, or the other way, why they're being put back in the team because they might have trained brilliantly and, and, he can, and, and he's open with that. So I think we've, you need to just build a squad that are open in, open-minded and knowing that it will literally take the full 18 or whatever 
it is, the full 25 squad members that you might have it, have available. So they have to be physically ready to, to jump in whenever it's called upon. Um, I think everyone knows that the, the, the rate of injury is high, higher in games. So the, level, the chances of getting injuries in games is high. So you need to make sure that if your fellow teammate that is in your position does get injured or is fatigued from these games, um, you need to make sure that you can step in without, with a real smooth transition um, and, and make sure that you are helping the team perform. So we've got a good squad in the minute, a good culture that we train hard. The squad that perhaps if they didn't play, for example, if they don't play tonight, we've got a game tonight. If they don't play, we'll train really hard tomorrow because we know we've got a game on Saturday and we've got a game next Wednesday and then we've got a game on the Saturday after that. So we know that we train hard and if they're not in the team, they will make sure that they do whatever they need to do from a physical point of view and we will make sure they tick all the boxes that they need to do from a physical point of view um, to make sure that when they are called upon, they, they, can, they can easily slot into the team. And, um, you know, we're working on different ways to stimulate them, different ways to get any, the physical characteristics that they need. It's not as simple as a case of doing, you know, five sides and then a little bit of running after those. You know, there are other ways that we can just change their training to make sure that they are getting it. You know, if we are, we're making sure that from a high speed or a sprint or a max V exposure, whatever it is, externally, they're getting their load ticked off because of training. We need to make sure that internally they are they're, they're getting their load that they need. So from the use of a watt bike or any off-feet conditioning work or the, the if we've got like a treadmill, an underwater treadmill or a pool session, we can make sure that we are, working them from an internal point of view that without having any influence on fatigue on pitch. So I think we just got, you've got to be a little bit clever with your programming. Um, you've just got to be honest with the players. You've got to educate the players in why we're doing stuff. This is the reason why we're doing it today, or this is the reason why we're doing something tomorrow. Um, and, and I think they, they'll all buy into it because the worst thing that they can do is not do it. And I'm sure at some point in their career, they've all felt the pain of stepping into a game or stepping into a starting lineup when they're not physically ready, where they're not tactically ready. And they would much rather probably go through the pain on the Monday to Friday um, to make sure that they're ready on the Saturday rather than not doing their stuff Monday to Friday and um, and then and really struggling on the Saturday. So um, you just got to build that culture, build that squad that they're willing to push each other um, to know that, that when that time comes that they're ready to go yeah class and without um, obviously with looking into next season and thinking right we're hopefully going to be less disruptions with, with COVID and all the rest of it there's now World Cup um, <laughs> dumped right yeah. in the middle of uh, where we wouldn't normally have one so I just thought it'd be interesting to discuss this in terms of an approach because obviously it's going to disrupt the season um, I think it's sort of mid to end November, isn't it, when players are going to probably going to be starting travelling and, and um, heading out there for, to prepare for it and then restarting a good number of weeks later. So what's your sort of initial thoughts around that, like keeping players, like we've talked about, sort of fresh um, and ready to return back into competition after that? Yeah, it, yeah. After the last couple of years, that is exactly what we needed. Was a <laughs> was chuck a World Cup into the middle of the season. We're well, hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll have a couple of um, 
Welsh boys actually go to the World Cup. Um, I'm sure our manager is a former Scottish international might have something different to say, but um, obviously I've got to say it from the Swansea point of view is hopefully we get a couple of Welsh boys to the World Cup, which would be great for them. Um, but we, I suppose, haven't got too many international players that will be playing in that World Cup. So um, we're going to have to use that time as best we can. Like you say, can we use it for a little bit of recovery? Can we use it to get some training work in um, and make sure we're ready for when the games resume? I think teams might be able to see it as a real opportunity um, rather than a hindrance. Um, we're, so I think whatever, whatever it is, three to four weeks, I think the champ get, um, and then six to seven weeks, I think it is, the Prem get. Um, they get, obviously, the longer, I think they get the full World Cup. So yeah. um, theirs is a completely different puzzle that they need to try and fix, um, having that long off. Um, but ours being three to four weeks, I think you can, we can offer the players a little bit of recovery time. Um, we can offer the players a little bit of respite. Um, and we, we're then giving ourselves enough um, training time and an opportunity to train that, that when that first league game comes back, you are ready to go. You know, every team's going to be in the same position. So I think I'm sure you might want to sort some friendlies out or you can sort out some, some ways of, of, of continuing to get match exposure. You can work internal MV11s. There are ways that you can be clever with your training to make sure that come that first league game, you're ready to go. Um, the lads that go to the World Cup it, it, it is completely different. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a championship team and, and your players have gone to the World Cup, by nature of it, they are probably one of your better players um, because they've been selected for their, for their national side. So when they come back in, they're probably going to be required to, to be available for selection as soon as possible. Um, and, and, and of course, the manager is going to want them to play as soon as possible if they're some of your better players. So I think that's going to take a little bit of balance. Um, the season's going to be congested as it is. You chuck a World Cup in the middle and you chuck a little winter break in. Like I said before, the start of the season and the end of the season isn't changing or in terms of when they set it. Um, it is actually getting brought forward, which is going to influence our off-season and our pre-season. But the end of the season, fate will, will stay the same. So that four-week period in the middle, that four to five, whatever games that you're going to miss, they have to be put in somewhere. Um, so you're going to have to make sure that they, they are ready to go um, and they are capable and robust enough to be able to handle those dense, dense level of games. Um, but most importantly, that, that player that maybe has gone to the World Cup has, has had his recovery time as well. Um, because if you're chucking in loads of games in a short amount of period before and after the World Cup and that player has gone to the World Cup to play, their level of matches and level of games is even higher than what yeah. your squad might be. So I think it, it will just take, like I said, a bit of open-mindedness from, from the coach and stuff, the manager, from the whole staff as a, as a, as a whole, making sure you've got a, a good enough squad that you can offer a good amount of rotation um, and level of rotation, like I said, making sure every player is ready to go. Um, but it, it will just take a little bit of, a little bit of patience, a little bit of open mindfulness. And, and I suppose that player making sure he's doing everything he can to make sure that he is ready to go in these games as well um, and understand what his body needs um, and understand what he needs exactly to keep himself healthy for, for those, for those mad runner games that we're probably going to get um, over Christmas into the new year. 
Um, but it is something that everyone, like I said before, everyone's going to have to deal with. So it, it's not just it's not just your own team. You know, everyone in the league is going to be in a similar position. Some might have a few more internationals, some might have a few less, but in general, everyone's going to have to manipulate their training and manipulate their programmes to, to suit them. Um, but just make sure that we're getting a little bit of respite where needed. Um, it's an opportunity, as I say, it's an opportunity rather than a hindrance. Um, and make sure you are coming out of it in the best position possible, whether that's physically or tactically. Um, I think if you find the balance, you, you, it's a great opportunity there. Um, and, and really kick on from there. Without putting words in the gaffer's mouth, like in terms of sort of tactically, do you think that's actually not a bad time for players to sort of regroup? And obviously there's loads of variables, isn't there? Because if you're on a winning streak, the last thing you want is to sort of stop and, and take three weeks off. But then at the same time, like, do you think it's quite a good time from his point of view and the coaching staff's point of view to get to sort of the end of November, heading into December, regroup and and possibly you're looking at two I suppose mini seasons rather than one big one aren't you yeah 100% you are like we all know that whenever we, we've designed a pre-season program and we've got the players up to a real high level of condition then then the games come thick and fast at the start of the year and then you do get to that point November December January where the games have come and, and you are fighting against it in terms of from a fatigue point of view you are really fighting against it and recovery is essential. So to chuck in a, a little mini break, like I say, I do see it as an opportunity. Um, I do see it as a way that we can get um, recovery into the, the players that need it. Um, I think we can get some some well-needed rest for the staff that work, work so hard and, and work brilliantly. I think you can get some real opportunities to get some work in as well. So um, we, we, we'll see it as, as an opportunity. Um, it's a different question to say for those the, the Prem teams that have that much longer period of time off that's a, that's a different different question um, and they've got to be even more clever with their programming um, but we just need to make sure that when we come back like you say you just, we, we have that time off and then we build them up as, as, as we can and, and as safely as we can and then you've got an opportunity to get some work in for the next game and then coming into it you know you might come into it with a run of games a little bit of rest, build them back up, and then you can you can still hit the ground running, and um, and hopefully we'll 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 be good from it. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, the the prem discussion is an interesting one, isn't it? Because I suppose if you've got a squad where the majority are going to be going away, it's going to be very different to having the odd few going away and having a lot of a lot of training for that that length of time, isn't it? So. Um, what are your thoughts in that situation? Would it? Would it? I know it's going to probably differ team to team, isn't it? And what's going on? How many people are going? Yeah, it, it'll differ team to team in terms of how many players you've got. But it, you've got to remember, it'll probably it'll differ within your team as well. Like it, it's it's a logistical nightmare probably for a lot of those because you know there'll be a group of players that might come back in the group stages and and have yeah. played four games. There might be. A, a group of lads that travelled all that way and have unfortunately not had the match minutes that they would have wanted. There's a group of players that then would have got to the last 16, the last eight, the semis, the final. Um, and you're balancing your schedule. You're kind of probably coming up with, say you've got a, a group of 10 players that went to the World Cup, you probably come up with 10 different schedules for them returning back into training. Yeah. Um, and you might have an opportunity to 
to change one schedule to be nice, you know, perfect, ideal world, brilliant. You might have to be a little bit more aggressive with another player because they've come back after the, the quarterfinal, which they also need a little bit of time off from that. Um, but you need to be a little bit more aggressive because that league game isn't changing. That first league game back, that's not going to move out where they got to the semi-final. So we'll just push that back a week. Mm. That's going to stay the same. So you may have to be a little bit aggressive with some, some of your return to training. Again, it's all individual. You know, you might have some players that you could be confident in them coming back after the World Cup, give them a few days or a week or whatever it is, team, team by team preference, and you know that them returning to training, there shouldn't be too much of a problem. They're a robust athlete. Um, they're brilliant with their physical work. They're brilliant with their injury prevention work. We, we're not going to have too much of a problem integrating these back into to the training programme. On the other hand, you might have a player that, yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant player, but he does struggle with X, Y, Z. He's got these problems going on. We know he, he has overloading problems. And, and when he is overloaded, he has a really high risk of breaking down because of his injury history or, or anything that's happened in the past. So you might have to be a little bit more patient with those type players. Um, I think it's just a way that you need to communicate with your management staff and, and your coaching staff and, and have a real open and honest conversation about each and every player um, and having an open environment that we can discuss them and, and create really individual programs for each player coming back in and, and just being really individual with your approach um, and hopefully get them all back in without injury, performing well, they've had their recovery, um, they've maintained a few match minutes and, and then you get back into that game and then you can kick on for that middle part into the last stage of the season and, and hopefully have a real successful one. It's definitely going to be an interesting period, isn't it? And uh, definitely going to test the sort of adaptability of a lot of coaches. But I think the overriding message from what you've discussed there is looking at that opportunity and the opportunities that you can take advantage of at that time, which I think is a really important and crucial message. Um, we'll move now, mate. Let's go on to some of the, the quick fire questions just at the end, just to wrap things up. So the first one I always ask is, who are some of the biggest influences on your career so far? Cool. Uh, biggest influences on my career. Um, I'm going to, it'll probably be a, a cheesy answer and I'll get a little bit of stick for this, but probably my dad, my old man, he taught me about graft, working hard, um, pure and simple, you know, what, what you put in and you'll get out. Um, so he probably taught me that to work hard and, and it, that's what you've got to do, that if you want a good career, you've got to put the work in. It doesn't come easy. From a professional point of view, my old boss at Leicester, Kev Paxton, um, there'll, be, there'll be a few people here probably that would have come across Kev or known Kev or worked with Kev. He's an unbelievable practitioner. Like, the knowledge is crazy. Um, but I think his biggest influence on me was, you are a coach, you are a physical practitioner. Those people that get bogged down with sitting behind a laptop crunching numbers or, or worrying about too much in terms of data and analysis. Not Obviously, data is so important for us in terms of influencing the program, but we're not just here to look at numbers. We're here to practically and physically improve, improve players. Yeah. So he would very much not get annoyed, but he, if, if there were players in the gym, for example, working on any individual bits or 
um, a simple case of just doing a little bit of extra gym or whatever it is, and there was staff sat behind their laptops, he would be like, hold on, guys, let's go work with players. Yeah, that's what we're here to do. The, the, the day we can work on the admin side around it, but we're here to work with players. So he got that mentality into me that we are to, here to work, work with players and and we're not just here to to make pretty spreadsheets. Um, so there'll be a lot of people now saying that's oh, rubbish because my spreadsheet's brilliant. But, um, <laughs> but he yours. was he, he yeah exactly yeah mine, <laughs> mine's prettier than yours and I know hopefully the the, uh, the data analysts here probably aren't watching this so because they are massive on on visualization and stuff. So um, but no we are we are physical practitioners so the physical side must come priority you know, and actually working with a player rather than working with a number that is influencing your program, you know, work with that player. Um, so he was massive for me. Um, the manager here has been huge for me in my career and the influence in terms of giving me an opportunity and giving me a platform to, to work off. As I said, right at the start, I'm, I'm fortunate that he trusts me enough and he, and he, um, and he likes me enough to know that we, we've, we're on a very similar wavelength in terms of the way we see football and the way we see the physical attributes that a footballer should have and a position should have. So he's been great with me, letting me um, step into a club like Swansea um, in the position I am and, and have a bit of influence there. So he's been massive with me. So yeah, probably those, those have been good for me. Class. And next one, what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Got to try and think of a clever answer for this, haven't you? <laughs> Um, I would say purely just from it, it's going into the same things that, that, that Paco Kev told me um, was because because you, you're here to work with players and work, work with players I think I've developed pretty good personal skills I think I like working with people I like talking to people explaining stuff to them this is why we're doing stuff and then getting that side across I think the dictatorship days have gone like I've got a whistle and a stopwatch and you are running until I stop blowing the whistle. And I, that, that's nonsense for me. Like we've got real specific programs here and, and a real clear and, you know, clear and concise way that we want to develop someone. So this is why we're doing it. This is why it's going to help you and show them things or, or show them whatever you need to show them to, to educate them enough to know what they're doing. So I think that's what I think I've got a good relationship skills or I try to have that there might be a few people that I'll probably rub off the wrong way but there's there's always going to be that I suppose in football um, probably celebrate a little bit too hard in games um, <laughs> I've not knee slid that. yet which is I've not knee slid down the touchline yet which um, <laughs> I've been close to but no not yet that's our goalkeeping coach he tends to do that more um, so yeah I would say that just sort of working with people I love I love working with people um but yeah, that that I would say is one of my strengths. Awesome. And then final one, which is always interesting um, for me, but I, I know with all the time you spend in the car, I don't know whether that might help things. But in terms of CPD, throughout a season, you guys are busy. We talk, we talked about the schedule and everything you got going on. What's your approach to sort of continually developing yourself as a practitioner? Yeah, I, I suppose. Pure and simply, we have to as well. Like, you know, my UKCA accreditation, basis accreditation, anything, whatever you do, you have to maintain 
your professional development, whether it's a CPD portfolio. Um, but I do see it as a massive part of us. Um, if, you know, if you're not moving forward, you're kind of moving backwards. I kind of think that because everyone else is moving forward. So if you're not following that, you're just staying still, you're all going backwards. So I do think it's such an important thing. Um, it was one of my main roles within the academy at Leicester was to, to build that CPD program, making sure the internships developed like they could, um, making sure that we were making sure that they were doing the right accreditations, the right workshops. Um, like I say, I, I spend, um, well, at times three hours in a car driving to and from Swansea um, and, and I've got a little bit of time. So the work of podcasts and things like that is so good. Um, that you can, you're just learning, continually learning. Um, so I, I do see it as a massive, massive part. Um, and you never want to be the smartest person in the room. I know that's quite a common common saying. You don't want to be the smartest person. And if you either, so I've got to get, make sure I get this saying right. It's if you're in, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm. So you always need to learn. You always need to continue to to maintain the CBD, do workshops um, and make sure you are continually speaking to people, listening to podcasts um, and making sure that you are learning off as many people and, and, and in many different avenues as you can to make sure that you are delivering the best program that you can. Quality, mate. Really, really good. Just uh, finally, just to wrap us up, in terms of if people want to follow your work, reach out, is there anywhere you direct them? Uh, yeah, most social media stuff, um, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, they're the three I tend to use. Um, I'm, you, you might put my email up. I'm more than happy to, to accept emails and chat to anyone uh, about anything. Um, as yeah, I'm sure there's a lot smarter people than me to talk through stuff. But if I can share any experiences, um, I can move into a new club, move into a new city, um, what podcast I listen to on my copious amounts of miles in the car um i've got a few i've got quite a lot of podcasts that i listen to um so anything that anyone needs more than happy to, to take over any questions and uh yeah build a build a community brilliant mate well it's top catching up i know you've got a, a big game tonight as we record this so um best of luck tonight and also for the rest of the season and going into next year as well um i'm sure we'll stay in touch yeah brilliant mate thanks for having me on it was great to catch up with Matt on this podcast. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, please help us out and grow the audience on this podcast by giving it a share. Share it on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Send it out into WhatsApp groups. Share it far and wide with any anyone that you feel like will benefit from the podcast. I'd re really, really would, would appreciate it. Make sure you go and give Matt a follow as well. He's over on Twitter at mw. And then, it, sorry, M and then his last name, Wilmot, and then the number 90 at the end. So go and give him a follow. And also any shares and retweets and stuff, tag Matt in as well, because I'm sure he'd be appreciative of um, hearing what you took away from the podcast. Takeaways from me on this one. I think there's a few real key takeaways. He spoke about being thrown in at deep end early on, which I think a lot of people have spoke about before, but the sort of lessons you take away from that as well. Um, then having to adapt and learn on the job. We spoke about the opportunity for loading throughout a season and sort of noting, um, recognising and, and taking advantage of those, those opportunities as well. 
And then the overriding message for me was that looking at these challenges like the World Cup and other things that come up for a season as an opportunity, not a hindrance. And taking that approach, I think, is really, really key. And that's definitely what I took away from the chat with Matt. So let me know what you took away from it. It'd be great to hear your your takeaways. And like I say, please help us share the episode far and wide by giving it a share on your socials and any way that you feel like you can get it out to as many people as possible. Big thank you again for listening to the podcast. I will speak to you again next week in episode 180.